thanks everybody. Good morning to everyone online as well. It's um, great to be gathered in all of the different ways that we can gather. Um, it's also great to see some old faces in person again. So it's really uh, a joy to, uh, to be together. But Gary's not old, I guess. <laughs> right, Gary? You're not old. You're just a, a good looking face. <laughs> yeah, good to have uh, the, the whole Sanger crew here from Southern California and Oregon. Yeah, got a wedding coming up. That's wonderful. I also saw another Raider shirt in the room, so we're not, I'm not the only Raider fan in the room. Yay, we got a couple of us. <laughs> All right, no, enough about football. All right, so um, as you know, we've been over the last few weeks um, working through a series, uh, working on a series called Roots and uh, taken out of Ephesians 3, talking about us being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in Christ. And uh, Sarah last week spoke on worship and really looked at the life of Abraham. And I thought it was a really, um, really good message about expanding our definition of what worship is beyond a service, beyond songs, beyond music, to looking at worship as our lives, as a lifestyle and all the different aspects of it. So if you didn't hear her message last week, it was great. Um, but it really triggered in me a desire. And I'm going to speak this week. You're stuck with me. It says part one. That means next week I'm going to do part two. So uh, you'll have to hear from me twice. Um, but I really um, wanted to talk today um, some about the promise that was given Abraham and um, the importance of that promise. So I'm calling the series Blessed to be a Blessing. So it's a little series within our Roots series, but it ties back to foundations, core things, roots in our faith, things that um, have been around for thousands of years that are meant to be roots that we draw from. And so I want to uh, talk about that today. And uh, the message today, we're, th there's a passage out of Genesis 12, that's kind of the foundation passage that we'll look at, and it talks about God's promise to bless Abraham. And then part of that promise that he has in Genesis 12 is that Abraham will be a blessing to the nations, to the world. And so this week is part one about um, God's blessing for you and I, and next week's going to be about our call to be a blessing. So I want to, that's going to be the two-part series, God blessing us and then us and our call to be a blessing. So I want to start um, in Genesis 12, and I just want to read this promise that God had given Abraham. And uh, actually, before I read it, I just want to make this comment. As you look at the Old Testament and as you read, Genesis is that first book in the Bible, and it, it has so much of our origin story and our foundations. And, but there's a big pivot that happens. In chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis, you see God's interaction and God's story with people, and you see it with him interacting with all of humanity. And there's a pivot that happens in Genesis chapter 12, where God focuses the story, and the story gets focused. It's not that God's not working in all of humanity, but the story gets focused in Genesis 12 to a guy named Abram. And uh, so it's, it's, it's not something that we see when we read. It's not like there's Genesis part one and Genesis part two. It just goes from chapter 11 to chapter 12, but it's a significant shift. And what God 
uh, does with Abram and what he ordains with Abram, what happens with Abram in Genesis 12 gets carried on throughout the Old Testament, gets carried on throughout the life of all of the nation of Israel, gets fulfilled and carried out in the life of Jesus. And we see, and Paul will talk in Galatians about us as people participating in this promise that's referred to back in Genesis 12. So this story and this foundation is, is critical to our faith experience. It goes, it goes back. The whole Bible pivots in some respects on this promise. It's, it's big. So let's look at Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God establishes this relationship. He establishes this working with humanity. He establishes this blessing through the family of Abram. And one of the things that I, I want to draw, and as we look at this story of blessing and God working in the life of Abram, I want us to, to draw and look at this story and look at aspects of blessing as it relates to our life today. Up until uh, the previous chapter in Genesis 11 had to do with people building a tower, people wanting to reach God, people coming together of their own initiative to try to reach to God. And what I find so powerful about Genesis 12 is God reverses it. And he says, I am coming to you. I am the one that's the blesser. I'm the one that's the initiator. God initiates this story. It, this isn't about Abram making God happy. This is a story about Abram being pulled into God's story that God had prepared for him. And I think about that for you and I, and we were talking this, uh, even as, uh, as Lori was talking this morning, that he's completed everything. The work of Jesus has completed everything on our behalf. We add nothing to it. We bring nothing to it. What we're called to do is to receive it. We're called to accept it. We're called to walk into the blessing that has been prepared for us. And I love that story of Abram, of Abram walking into this promise. Paul in, in Galatians 3, he talks about that same promise coming through the person of Jesus and us participating in it. And we'll look at that here in just a, a minute. But this story here of God blessing Abram and through Abram blessing the world, of a famous missiologist named Don Richardson called this, he divided this scripture in Genesis into two ideas of blessing. One he calls a top line blessing. The other he calls a bottom line blessing. He calls the top line blessing that God will bless you, Abraham, will make you great, will make you known, will build you into a nation. And then the bottom line blessing being, and you will be a blessing to the world. The blessing that I bless you with will bless the world. It makes me think, I don't know about you, when Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commands? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And just as important, just there, same level, love your neighbor as yourself. 
He connects those two things. He, Jesus connects that idea of the blessing that he has for us, the love that he has for us, the story that he has for us, and our call to love our neighbors. This promise that was given to Abraham, as you read the story of Abraham, you see all of the, his journey of faith. And what you see is you see this promise repeated in the generations that follow. Isaac has an encounter with God, Abram's son, and he has the same promise given to him. Jacob has an encounter with God. The same promise is given. In First Chronicles, it says this. It says, be mindful of his covenant forever. The promise which he commanded and established to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his sworn promise to Isaac. He confirmed it as a statute to Jacob and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. The Lord continued to impart that same story, that same blessing you have. Isaac, enter into the blessing, into the story of God. Jacob, enter into the blessing and the story of God. This was a theme throughout his life and throughout his generations of receiving and walking in the blessing and the calling and the identity of God. This same promise that all the people on the earth will be blessed. And what I love when uh, what, what Leslie talked about this morning about our faith stories, it's what I love about reading the stories uh, in the Bible is how diverse each of the different faith stories are. You know, Abram's, Abram's promise here is I'm going to make you into a great nation. You know what his challenge was? They were barren. They had no kids. So that promise was made and their, their, their son, Isaac, the promised one didn't come for 24, almost 25 years later. It's like, Lord, what's, what's the deal with this waiting time, but this promise, this blessing, and yet they were in a place of barrenness. And you see these things with Isaac, you see a different journey of faith with Jacob. You see a different journey of faith but you see the blessing of the Lord coming and the promises of the Lord following them in very, very different ways. So this promise to Abram, this promise of blessing, Paul talks about in Galatians three, and I want to read this in verse seven. Paul says this, understand then those that who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. So the gospel was announced in Genesis 12 to Abraham. All of the nations will be blessed through you. Those who rely, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then it says further in Galatians 3, in verse 26, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. We're heirs of that promise that was given to Abraham back thousands of years ago in Genesis 12. So I want to talk today about what it means for us 
And, and what I love about the blessings of Christ, it says, Paul is saying there that these blessings that are coming down are for all the peoples of the world. He, ta- he deals with racial differences, socioeconomic differences, gender differences. He says, we're all one in Christ with access to the blessings of God. And God did it for us. God initiated it. It was God's idea. It was God's idea to bring this blessing. So I wanted to focus today for us on this idea in different aspects and different facets of what this blessing looks like for us today. And I want to remind us about our journeys of faith and our stories of faith. I want to ask the Lord to just expand our definition of this. I don't, I, I don't like how flippantly the word blessed is used these days, right? You see hashtag blessed. It's usually somebody who's super bougie, super wealthy, and, and, and it's a very um, disconnected hashtag, isn't it? Hashtag blessed. Um, it's a very artificial and superficial way of viewing the world. And I want to dig a little bit deeper in and uncover some different aspects of blessing today and different ways in which we think about our walks of faith and our journeys of faith and where and how we walk in the story and the blessings of the Lord, how we walk in our faith journeys in very different places and different circumstances. So I want to look at nine facets. That means I'll go quickly because we're not going to spend too time, too much time on them. But I want to talk uh, about the, this idea and these facets of blessing. The first aspect I want to talk about is that the blessing of the Lord, the blessing that is for you and I and is for all people, is meant to be received. That's the, the first thing I want us to think about is that we're called to be receivers of blessing. I like this quote from Eugene Peterson, and he's writing about Abraham. He says this about Abraham. A life of getting was slowly but surely replaced by a life of receiving. Receiving the promises, receiving the covenants, receiving the three strangers, receiving Isaac, receiving circumcision, receiving a ram in the thicket, being transformed into a life that abandons self-sovereignty, and embraces God's sovereignty. Abraham did that for a hundred years. I love that last phrase. He did that for a hundred years. The blessings of the Lord are not just these one-time events, but that's what we like to read about in scripture. I like to read about them. I like them to happen in my life. I like to have these one-time events happen. But the blessings of our faith journey and, and the blessings that the Lord has for us are a journey of a hundred years. But I love what you see in the life of Abraham is very different than what you saw back with all of his contemporaries and all the people who lived at that time. People are figuring out how to appease God, how to work their way in Genesis 11. How do we build a tower to God? How do we do all of this? And God is this initiator of blessing that he calls Abraham to receive. Jesus came while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God was the initiator. What do we receive? We receive the forgiveness of our sins. 
We receive new life and made new creations. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive acceptance. We receive dignity. We receive wholeness. We receive life. We receive joy. We receive, we're all of, we're receivers of what the Lord has for us. So an important position for us in our life of faith and understanding our relationship with the Lord as are those of receivers. It's different than a modern day religious paradigm of workers and achievers. I'm a religious achiever. I'm an achiever of faith. I'm an achiever. And the Lord says, I'm an initiator. I'm calling you to participate in this blessing. But we go through this transformation, as Eugene Peterson says, of of shifting from self-sufficiency to God's sufficiency. It's that shift of God, you're the sufficient one. Our life of faith, our life of blessing is to discover all that God's prepared to do in us and through us. He wants us to live out of a place of abundance of having received from him. He's provided all of the abundance that he wants to give to us. The second aspect of blessing and faith that we see in the life of Abraham, and I know we experience as well, is this releasing and breaking free of. We see Abram leaving his father and mother. We see him leaving his land. We see him leaving the idols that they worshiped. We see him leaving the old ways of thinking. We see him leaving the old way of doing things. This receiving is also receiving what the Lord has, but it's also a leaving and a breaking free. We, we even see in Jesus's words, Jesus said, you've heard it said this, but I say this. It's letting go of what you understood before and receiving what I have now. Paul, in his letters to the New Testament church, he talked a lot about, sorry, this is bothering me a little bit. He talked about the idea of our old person and our new person, leaving our old person and walking in to the life of our new person. We must have a release. We must let go and break free. And that can be our old patterns of worship, our old patterns of provision, our old patterns uh, of life, idolatry, things that we held up. And you know what? That didn't just happen for Abraham overnight in one prayer, in one way. It happened in a journey. He had to go to Egypt and figure out that maybe we shouldn't be lying to Pharaoh about our relationships so that he doesn't get confused and bring judgment on Egypt. There was a change. There was a paradigm shift that was needed. I was, um, you know, thinking in our modern day times, what, what, how does that look at times? I remember I was um, in Singapore for a work trip and I was um, going on, I try to get exercise every now and again, but don't think I'm a runner. But this time I was trying to run. And uh, I, I was running down in this one area and kind of going around some tall skyscraper buildings, going down to where there's a, a beach. And as I came around the back of this one big tall building, all over the sidewalk were all sorts of little altars of incense and little um, things that were set up as altars. 
And, and what people would do who worked in that building would come down and they would set up their incense and their altars. And they were praying for something. They were desirous of something. They were wanting health or they were wanting wealth. They, they needed finances or what, whatever it was. But it's not something that we all see in our, uh, you know, you don't see it running downtown sometimes in Salt Lake City. But this is a part of their culture of where does our provision come from? Where does our blessing come from? Where does our health come from? Where, do, where does our prosperity come from? And, and they've got these little shrines and these little altars that they're building. And as, as, as a person walks into the favor and the blessing of the Lord and they, and they find a new way, they start seeing the Lord as the source of the blessing. So this idea of change, releasing, letting go of the past, letting go of our old ways of worship, our old ways to embrace what the Lord has for us. The third aspect of blessing that I think is amazing is how original and unique our faith stories are. We see the story of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah and their faith having to do with Isaac and barrenness. We see the story of Isaac being different. We see how, how, does he, how does he have a spouse? How does this continue? How does the promise continue on with Isaac? How, does, how do they establish wells? Um, what do they do with their two children? What do they do with the twins that they've had now? How does this work when you have twins? Jacob's story of, of, what, of coming into his place of receiving the promise. What a different faith story. I like this quote by Eugene Peterson. He says this. He says, for faith cannot be learned by copying not by imitating, not by mastering some faith skills. We are all originals when we live by faith. I think it's cool, Gary, that you're here today because one of the things, whenever you spend time with Gary, you hear about his faith story is like, God will provide every time. I mean, you spend any time with Gary Logan and you know that's been his faith journey. That's been his faith story. Is it every step of the way he's listened to the voice of the Lord do I get a job? Do I say self-employed? Do I get, what do I do? And the Lord just speaks to him and speaks to him and guides him. I love that about Gary's journey of faith. And I've learned a lot about the faith of the Lord, but I can't copy Gary. I can get encouragement by his story and see the Lord at work in his faith journey, but man, I can't copy him. I can just be encouraged to follow the Lord myself. I love that Jacob had to wrestle with God and Jacob had to get a new name. Isaac didn't get a new name. Jacob had to get a new name. Abraham's name got changed too. Very unique things that happen in their journeys. The fourth thing that I think is a mark of blessing and that is fruitfulness and growth. In this promise in Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to make your nation great. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to make you like the sand on the seashores, like the stars in the sky. And, and Abraham's like, yeah, could we start with one? That's great. That all sounds amazing. Could we start with one? But it wasn't just that. I loved Sarah shared last week about Abraham and Lot. And Abraham didn't have a scarcity mentality. 
Abraham had an abundance mentality. When him and Lot were getting too big to coexist, Abraham was like, okay, Lot, you choose. You choose the biggest, you choose the best. You choose first, I'll choose second. He knew, he knew how big God was. He, He understood something about the abundance of the Lord, that there was enough for him. He didn't have to claw his way. But there's this, it's interesting that God's promise of sand on the seashores, your, 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 your descendants will be so major, but his one issue was that they were barren. It's interesting that the Lord wanted to say, that's my promise for you. And you need me to perform it. You need me to perform the promise. Jesus talks so much in the New Testament about the kingdom being something that is like a small seed planted and then it grows up. The gospel gets sowed in the lives of people and it takes root and it bears a harvest. The promises and the blessings of the Lord are meant to come in and bear much fruit. And that fruit isn't always how we think. For Abraham, it's one. I just need Isaac. I need one. But that's, those are markers of the blessings of the Lord. In the next one about blessing that comes, and this is in in conjunction with fruitfulness, is that pruning is also a promise, isn't it? Yeah, so um, blessing also comes with pruning. Jesus says that in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Part of our walking with the Lord by faith, part of our blessing, part of what the Lord has for us is pruning. Sarah spoke about that a little bit last week about in the very place of fruitfulness, where God wanted to bless Abraham with a kid, there's circumcision. And, and it's this crazy thing of like, well, Lord, you, you have a promise and yet you prune and yet you do something different. And I think in our lives of faith, in us walking with the Lord and us walking in blessing, at times the Lord will prune that which is fruitful in our lives. He will prune that which is fruitful in us as part of our journeys. The next one, blessing and walking by faith comes with correction. Do we like this one? This is a good one. Hebrews 12 I like it in the message. He says, so don't feel sorry for yourselves. That's a good start. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children, only irresponsible parents leave their children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why do we not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, later, of course, it pays off big time. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. 
man, I love the faithfulness of God. And you see that, you know, when you read the Bible and you look at that, you see the Lord bringing correction a lot in the Old Testament and in these stories of faith. You don't see people doing it perfectly. You don't see people, um, these are real earthy stories of people making bad decisions and bad choices and harming others and not doing what the Lord would have them do. But part of the blessing of walking with the Lord is that he brings correction. Two more aspects, three more aspects of blessing. Blessing is available in hard places. You know, we, we think about this idea of hashtag blessed as something where life is going good. I'm in a place where um, I can receive blessing. If it's, if it's the blessing of the Lord, it has to work in every culture, in every place at every time. It can't be our definition of what it means to be blessed in the U.S., There's a famous scripture in Jeremiah 29 that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We love that part, don't we? We like that. That's like on bumper stickers everywhere, t-shirts everywhere. But let's back up in that chapter and let's look at the context of how it's said. So in Jeremiah 29 verse 4, This is the context says, this is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So just think about that for a second. Israel is in Babylon. The people of Israel are being corrected. They're being carried into exile. They're living in a place of Babylon. And this is where the Lord is speaking this blessing. And he says this, While they're living in Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. More on that next week. When we think about blessed to be a blessing, Think about what this verse is is calling them to do. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is what the Lord says then. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. These blessings and these promises of the Lord that he has for us have to be available to us everywhere. And Israel is in a place of exile. Israel is in a place of bondage. Israel is in a place of captivity. And the Lord says, even in that place, I'm going to bless you. Even in that place, I'm going to to be with you. Even in that place, I'm going to multiply you and increase you. But it looks different, doesn't it? It looks hard. They're like, man, no, we want to go back. He's like, well, for 70 years, you're here. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to believe about where you are? What are you going to bless where you are? How are you going to live where you are? Then 
The next aspect of blessing that I want to look at is where Jesus calls people blessed in Matthew 5. That word in Matthew 5 that we're going to look at uh, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. That, that word in the Greek is makarios, or if people know how to pronounce it correctly, you know, but that's how I read it. So in reading this article on this word, this gentleman, Brian, says this. He, he unpacks the meaning of this word. And there can be a superficial reading of this word, blessed, meaning happy or, or, or satisfied or favor. But he unpacks what that Greek word would have meant at that time as well. He says this, in all of these meanings, the blessed ones, the, the, mark, the makarios ones, lived in a higher plane than the rest of us. They were gods. They were humans who had gone to the world of gods. They were wealthy, upper crust. They were those with many possessions. The blessed were those people and beings who lived above the normal cares, problems, and worries of normal people. That, was, that could have been the mindset of the people hearing what Jesus was saying when he's using the word blessed. These are people who live above the normal cares, problems, and worries of normal people. That could have been the definition that they were thinking about. But I love that Jesus takes that word and goes a completely different direction about what it means to be blessed. Brian suggests that Jesus uses this word in a totally different way. It's not the elite who are blessed. It's not the rich and powerful who are blessed. It's not the, the high and mighty who are blessed. It's not the people living in huge mansions or expensive penthouses who are blessed. He suggests this, if you could put up that quote. He says, rather, Jesus pronounces a blessing here in the Sermon on the Mount on the lowly, the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, the meek, the mourning. Throughout the history of this world, it's always been the other people who are considered blessed, the rich, the filled up, the powerful. And Jesus turns it upside down. And he's the elite in God's kingdom. The blessed ones in God's kingdom are those who are at the bottom of the heap of humanity. He changes that mindset, this He's speaking to people who understand the blessing of Abraham. So I to, with that, I want to read Matthew 5, and I just want you to think about this. Oftentimes when we read Sermon on the Mount, we read these things like, um, you know, poor in spirit. We read those who mourn, those that are meek, those that are peacemakers. And we read them almost as like attributes, like we should aspire to be poor in spirit. We should aspire to these things. But I think one, one way to look at this blessing is to think about um, this being people's condition, the state in which people are living in. Luke records similar words in chapter six of Luke, uh, where Luke translates the poor in spirit to just to be the poor, to people who are poor, who don't have food. So Jesus is speaking and dignifying and identifying with people. He's saying, there are, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did we lose our computer? Oh, there it is. Okay. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is declaring a blessing. He's speaking a blessing on this group of people listed in the Beatitudes. He's not necessarily calling people to these traits. He's saying, how many of you are mourning? I'm there to comfort you. I was thinking, how how could we not be thinking this week about Haiti and Afghanistan and places in which there's so much captivity and poverty and fear and persecution and difficulty. The Lord's not saying hashtag blessed. Lord is saying, I'm going to be with you. And he's calling us to say, man, blessed are we when we mourn. Blessed are we when we lament. Blessed are we when we identify with the weak, when we identify with the broken. He's validating this group of people in their current state and calling forth a blessing on them. Oftentimes in our mindset, we don't view people We don't view ourselves in a place of blessing. And the Lord is saying, you're mourning. You're in a place of brokenness and mourning. You're blessed. You're validated. You're dignified. I see you. I love you. I know you. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you in that place of brokenness. Lord, help us take our understanding of what it means to be blessed and who the Lord is blessed to a whole different understanding. The Lord is blessing people in in that place. And we'll talk next week about how we're called to be a blessing. The last aspect of blessing that I want to touch is blessing can involve waiting. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for Isaac. Joseph waited 13 years in Egypt to see blessing. Blessing can involve waiting and journeying. Abraham journeyed for 100 years with the Lord. What does this mean for us today? What is the Lord saying to us today? As we think about, we've explored all these different aspects of blessing, and we haven't even scratched the surface, to be honest with the blessing that the Lord has for us. But I felt today that the Lord wanted to remind us of our personal journeys of faith. And I think Leslie hit on that in her word this morning. She wanted to, she was calling us to remember. She was calling us to remember the faithfulness of the Lord in our lives. She was calling us to remember 
that the Lord changes us, that the Lord transforms us, that the Lord takes us from this place to this place. She's seen it happen in the lives of three or four people she knows in the last month. The blessings of the Lord are chasing after us. And the Lord wants us to see in all of these different places, the expanse of how he walks with us. He walks with us in the hard places. He walks for us with us in the waiting. He walks with us. He walks with all people at all times and all places. He corrects us. He prunes us. He makes us fruitful. He increases us. He challenges us to leave old practices and take up new practices. He calls us to be those that receive, receive what only he can give and walk in the blessing that he provides. So today, as we close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and we'll, we'll sing a song as we end. But I was thinking about praying for some specific things for us. Um, maybe it's like Abraham. There's this promise of fruitfulness and there's barrenness. Maybe there's shame. Maybe we need, or you need, or I need a new name. Maybe I'm in a place of exile. Maybe I'm in a time where the Lord's bringing correction or pruning. What I love about the stories of the Lord is we see both the journey and we see the event. We see that Jacob wrestled with the Lord and that happened and he got a new name and that happened. I feel like this morning, the Lord has for us things to be praying. And so we're going to, we're going to sing this song. It's a, it's a pretty, um, it's a newer song over the last year called the blessing. It's taken out of numbers and it talks about this, this priestly declaration that the priests would declare over the people of the Lord. And you'll, you'll, hear it when I say it, but it says this in Numbers 6, 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So I just want to, um, maybe you could stand with me and I want to pray for us. I want to pray that in all of these different areas of us walking and living under the blessing of the Lord, there's, there's an invitation. There's an invitation that the Lord wants to make today. There's this ongoing experience that Abraham had throughout his life of experiencing the Lord in new ways on his journey. It wasn't just the one-time event in Hebrew, in Genesis 12, where he received the promise, but he saw the outworking of the blessing in his life time after time after time. And so for us today, I want to just invite us into that place of asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want to speak today? What is it that you want to declare in my life today? What is it that you're doing in my life today? How is your blessing working out in my life today? If you've never received the blessing of the Lord the forgiveness of sins, the acceptance and the love of God. He's extending that today. He's saying, my blessing is for you. 
I'm here to forgive you and love you and accept you and transform you. The Lord is making an invitation today to you. Receive the blessing and the life that we have in Christ. And if you're Abraham and you've been walking with for 25 years and you're like, God, I'm still barren. I still don't have a kid. The Lord wants to meet you today and speak with you today and bring blessing. So Lord, we thank you for your complete faithfulness, Lord. You are faithful to accomplish all that you've promised. You're faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're faithful from first to last. You're writing our stories. You prepared so many things for us in advance. For each of our walks of faith and each of our walks of journey, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for your blessing. And we pray, Father, that in every way, whether we're in exile, whether we're in mourning, whether we're peacemakers, whether we're poor, wherever we are, Lord, you come to bring your blessing. So we just receive you today in the name of Jesus. Amen.